and welcome to the Wild Space Beacon, beaming its signal out from a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Dragon Trooper Ben Faircloth, and joining me is my co-host, the Pandalorian Cassie Faircloth. Thank you for joining us for Episode 2, Molding Mercs, with our special guests, the founders and leaders of the Mandalorian Mercs Costume Club, Mandalore the Uniter, Tom Hutchins, and the Allure, Rob Dawkins. Thank you guys for joining us. Hey, thanks for having us. Hey, yeah, great. It's great to be here. Awesome. Awesome, guys. Um, so the solo premiere is going on right now. There's a lot of excitement in the air. Um, let's go ahead and ease into our first question here with that totally uh, uh, relevant topic. And that's what do you guys think about this upcoming solo movie? Well, well uh, Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, I'll let you go first. I, I, no, I was going to say, I'm going to defer to Tom. Let Tom go first uh, uh, so you can recognize our voices in case you don't know who is who. That sounds perfect. <laughs> um, so go ahead, I, Tom. It, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm always excited about any Star Wars movie that comes out. I don't think I've seen one yet that I, that I don't like. Um, I think it's really neat that we get to see uh, this, this kind of, uh, you know, past of uh in, in younger days of han solo you know we've read so much about it in uh the, the old legends books and and uh, i think we've read a little bit about it in the new expanded universe books but uh it's kind of neat to see it on the screen i know it's different than what we read back in legends but um, it looks you know it looks really good it's got that kind of gritty western sort of you know um uh dirty feel like rogue one had so I, I really, you know, it, I think the big thing is getting past the, it's not Harrison Ford playing oh, yeah. Han Solo. That's that's going to be, I think that's probably going to be the most difficult part for people. But, you know, I'm, speaking with my wife, that's, you know, I think that's going to be her, her diff most <laughs> difficult part as well. I'm so, sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, if, as long as as long as that doesn't really come into play in my brain, which I, I always go into these with zero expectations, and try to be as close to you know a, a eight year old as possible, <laughs> and um, you know so I think I'll be happy with it. Plus, there's like a pseudomando armor in there at some yeah. point. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I agree with Tom. I mean, I pretty much the same sentiments. Uh, I know that my wife would be happy with the fact that Han Solo won't die in this one, so you know that's a good thing. <laughs> but uh, I hold pretty high hopes for it. Um, you know, I'm I'm satisfied that they used Ron Howard. Uh, despite the early troubles they had with it, uh, because I think you know he's got the directorial chops to handle something like this. He's proven himself, you know, through the years. Oh yeah. And um, so I think he can do a really good job. Um, and like Tom said, it's always good to see the backstories of uh, of, of well-defined characters or characters you're familiar with. You know, um, that, I think that's a big plus. That's going to make a lot of people go to this uh, to be able to see that, just just to see what his story was all about. Yeah. Um, and I'm also optimistic, too, because these aren't what I would call and what I've other people have said were disposable characters like in Rogue One. Uh, although I know there was a storyline behind Rogue One, it was hard for a lot of people, including myself, to identify with characters that I knew ahead of time were probably going to die anyway. You know, they would have no longevity. They were just basically uh, an instrument for the, to get the plans to the rebellion. That's, you know, so it's one of those deals where I mean, it's a great movie and all. I did. I like the feel of it, but I knew going in that it was a dead end, so to speak. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to feel a little bit better about Solo because at least I know there's to be continued type thing. You know, so yeah, 
Yeah, you definitely know the fate of him too, as far as the you know, spoiler alert episode yeah. four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if anyone hasn't seen it already. Uh, <laughs> but uh but anyway, I think it'll be great. I'm like Tom, I'm enthusiastic about any of them that come out, you know. And uh it's really nice now that Disney's acquired um you know, catalog, so to speak, acquired the intellectual property because now, you know, as you know, infinite amount of dollars to throw behind these projects. So oh, yeah. as a Star Wars fan, so Star Wars fans, it's a great time to be alive because there's gonna be something coming out all the time. You know, so you Definitely. know, that's a good thing. Kind of like kind of like a Marvel fan, you know how you'll never run dry. That's kind of the same <laughs> <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> well and, and and Rob's one of those special fans that, you know, has uh, it's kinda like uh, a person who, you know, lived back in the early 1900s that saw you know the the transportation go from horse and buggy up to you know now we have the race cars and you know where we have these you know battery powered cars and stuff. Rob yeah. has seen Star Wars from the yeah. from the time when it was first released all the way up to to now. He was so, born you know, into it. Yeah, he was. That's he's true. got the full spectrum. You know, he's he's seen it all. He's like you know. He's like those uh, those you know nine year old great grandparent that you've got all these stories. From. Oh, we well, they call me old for a reason. Yep, there you go. We That's right. <laughs> I will admit, I will admit, however, although my memory is not the greatest in the world, I do recall actually going to see that very first movie. I mean, that's awesome. a vivid memory for me. So that's saying something for me because my memory is only about two weeks long typically, and uh, I can remember. I can really remember doing that. Actually, I can remember that and uh, the next two after that. You know, the, the original. Yeah, that's um, cool. But. Uh, after that, it kind of gets fuzzy. <laughs> you know, especially when Jar Jar Binks enters a scene, it gets really fuzzy. Oh, come on. We could have went the whole podcast to not even mention that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, had no I had to go ahead and get it out of the way. Yeah, I had, I had to get that out of the way. So. It's all so go good. ahead, guys. It's all good. <laughs> Cassie, you want to ask the next question? Yeah. Um, it's not a prequel trilogy question, <laughs> but it is a trilogy question. How do you guys feel about the direction the sequel trilogy has been taking? Um, you want to take it first? Or? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll let you answer this one first. I did the last one first. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I'll be honest with you. You know, I may or may, may be in the minority, or I could be a majority, a silent majority, but uh, I was not real happy with the treatment of uh, Luke's character in this movie. Um, and apparently, neither was Mark Hamill in the, from the onset, you know, or initially. Uh, I know he finally got in line with Ryan Johnson's vision, but. Uh, I just, I don't know, you know, that could, this is a diatribe that could go on, like you said, for several podcasts, but I just wasn't really, was not really happy with how they made Luke uh, eventually, you know, his, his circle complete. And um, I don't know, just to me, there's just a lot of things that, in my personal opinion, were out of character for what I thought that person yeah. would be. But, you know, then again, that leads to my, my next thing, however, is the fact that when the, as fans, we're really not in control, you know, that Disney... This is going to do what they want to do regardless, and, uh, you know, they have a, uh, like they do with Marvel, apparently, they have a, a full circle that they're going to go here. They know what they're doing, or at least they give the impression they have a focus. So, you know, all we can do is sit back and, uh, and wait, you know. Yeah. Um, the only thing I can hope for, you know, in this sequel uh, and the uh, is this next one would be, uh, I don't know, maybe not the next major one, but in uh say the in-between the, the star wars stories would be some sort of uh stories about bounty hunters oh yeah i know it may be asked i know it'd be asking a lot to ask for a particular you know mandalorian uh bounty hunter alone but uh there's enough characters there you know different ones uh that could actually be featured in a in a full-length movie i think at least give some backstories to a lot of them so yeah i think that would be interesting you know but uh, but that's just my thoughts on it 
Absolutely. Dave Filoni's throwing us a couple bones there. It'd be nice to see it on the big screen. Yes, it would, actually. You know, so all we can do is, like you said, we just kind of like, uh, we pay our money for the ride, and we just have to sit back with the lap bar on, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about you, Tom? I, I guess I'm I guess I'm in the other camp when it comes to that. I, I, I mean, I wasn't super, like, I'm, obviously I was thrilled with um, The Force Awakens. I mean, who wasn't thrilled with it? But I wasn't as... Um, it wasn't to me. It didn't feel as fulfilling. It almost kind of felt like a little bit of a rehash of Episode Four. Um, but the Last Jedi, to me, I actually really, really liked it. Um, cool. I thought that I thought that I'm not a huge Jedi fan in the first place, and I really have been. But I felt like, um, based on everything that I saw in The Force Awakens. Uh, the Last Jedi kind of made sense to me, and seeing Luke as a as a you know a flawed kind of you know kind of emo old man, <laughs> um, it kind of reminded me of of people that I've known in in my real yeah. life that you know have have gotten to that point because of something you know uh, that, that's happened to them and you know in younger in the younger stages of their lives and things Absolutely. like that. So. You know, I, I can, I can, you know, I can uh, identify with that in in some ways, and you know, I, I get it, and I thought it was, I I thought it was very well done. I think that there's probably about 30 minutes of that movie that could have been edited out, that would have made it an even better movie. Green milk. Um, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, the whole the whole casino part I thought was really a lot of filler yeah i feel like they could have took that scene to something different and right. and uh, achieve the same end result um but other than that i mean that and and the 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 princess leia flying back into the <laughs> ship thinking that, yeah i'm mary poppins y'all yeah. you know i I, I didn't mary really poppins. Um. i know somebody had i seen it i saw where somebody made an actual um their own kind of edit of that scene on YouTube where they used Luke, where Luke actually um, was able to to see this going on. He was like in a meditative trance. They took that those parts from the movie where he's, you know, doing the meditation thing to do the projection there on crate. And they edited that in and actually had him be the one that rescues hmm. Leia. Huh, and yeah, you can see that on YouTube. And it's check it, that out. I thought that actually worked out a lot better. I was like, "Holy crap, that makes a lot that, that would have worked so much better if they'd have done that." Yeah. Um, well, I guess my biggest issue with the thing that what you were talking about was that gap between that thirty some odd year gap because you know uh, in, in the uh, in the last movie we saw him, you know, when he saved his father and he basically was a was a hero. You know, he, he's like an upstanding, moralistic kind of guy, and then to see him thirty some odd years later. You know, and it just seemed like his character, without that filler in between, it seemed like it was a big gap from, like, superhero guy to, like you said, down out emo, you know, I'm going to kill this guy in his sleep guy. And I, I don't know. To me, that's, yeah, I, I guess he was, but they didn't really, to me, maybe they could have done away with the casino <laughs> scenes yeah. and maybe had filmed some backstory of Luke or at least to give an impression of why he became the way he was instead of just Ray showing up on an island with a grumpy old guy that throws a lightsaber over his shoulder. You know, that's... I don't know. To me, I mean, it was a funny moment, but it was also like 
I was personally, I was missing something there. You know, I, I guess that comes from having seen all of them too, you know, yeah. originally, you know, cause I had that impression as a kid walking out thinking, you know, although I didn't like a lot of his whiny aspects, I kind of wanted to be Luke Skywalker. Everybody did <laughs> yeah. at the time, you know, yeah, it wasn't, you know, Darth Vader wasn't a big hit until he, till later, you know, until he caught on, so to speak. But, uh, but anyway, that was my my biggest gripe. But I mean, I did enjoy the movie. It, you know, all all overall, I won't say it was a bad movie at all. But it was just that was my only pet peeve with it was that right. particular thing there. You know. But uh, we'll see what happens because what I was going to say because between the two, I actually like uh, I actually like the first one better. Uh, and I'm hoping. I mean, I don't know this, and this is again a personal preference. Not a big fan of Ryan Johnson's work personally, so I'm hoping that J.J. Abrams can bring this thing back around to a full closure. Uh, with the last one and uh, you know give us all some some closure or something to talk about so we'll see what happens yeah. Yeah. I, my biggest hope is that episode nine episode eight really left it open for and this is obviously i don't i don't know these things i'm just saying it because it's what i hope but the end of episode eight really leaves it open for the potential for mandalorians to make a big entrance yeah. in episode nine because it's you know the end of rebels um it's it's not been that far off. I mean, it's just happened this year, right. and we, you know, and and those arcs, you know, the, the the two Mandalorian episodes, there in season four, kind of you know kind of leave the Mandalorians owing, the 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 rebellion one. You know, yeah. they kind of owe them one. So it seems to me like that would be a great chance to cash in, especially since Mandalore is in the outer rim, and apparently the Resistance allies are in the outer rim. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's just seems to be some 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 kind of dots that subconsciously are connecting <laughs> for me there and like maybe we might well, see some Mandalorians and I mean it's a ready-made army for them so yeah um, well it's yeah. also an un untapped source of uh, it's an untapped source for Disney too you know and yeah, Lucasfilm uh, I mean oh, it really is. there's a huge fan it's getting bigger all the time so as you well know as we all know so I think maybe it's like a cash cow in a way there's kind of like money in the bank and they're just waiting for the right time to to uh, to use it, you know, to right. to profit from it. So you know, I haven't got any really calls have... to be, haven't got any casting calls yet. So you know, but I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Need, need a grumpy old Mandalorian grandpa. Just let me know. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Kill kids, you know. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. Well, you never know with that one we're seeing in the solo trailers. You you never yeah. know. We might have one. Yeah. But That's true. I don't know. I think for me, it kind of terrifies me. The idea of it, though, too, just because, like, when they were talking about the Boba Fett movie, I'm sitting there saying, please don't, please don't mess him up. Please don't mess him up. No, we know him <laughs> as the mysterious bounty hunter that doesn't really say a whole lot. And you're going to give him a full movie full of lines? No, just keep him to the side. Keep him that mysterious, yeah, really. total, yeah. you know, cool guy effect. But Unless at it's the like same Lord time. Atkins or somebody, Mr. Bean, that would be, that'd yeah, be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I, I <laughs> I, I could see a Boba movie only working if they did it similar to how they're doing the Solo movie, where it's like a Magnificent Seven sort of thing, yeah. and Boba's the last one, you know, kind of standing. Okay, yeah. You know? I love to see Chad Bane, though, because, you know, I have to see how he got that dent in his helmet. I mean, come on, that's, you know, that's, that's part of it. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm... Yeah, that yeah. that would be cool to see Cad come back again. But I, I don't think a Boba standalone movie is is something that would ever work well. I, I kind of agree with you on that one, Ben. I just don't, I just don't see um, a Boba movie being a thing. Yeah, I don't know how they'll be able to pull that off well. People, yeah. people have it's hard to flesh out expectations that of them. 
Well, they do, yeah, and that's... it's hard to flesh that character out. You know, he, with Django, it was easier because Django had a backstory, and you could, you know, he was basically a father, so to speak, you know, so you could identify. But Boba, you know, as a kid, when he left out of there, I mean, it was, you know, like you said, it hadn't been fleshed out enough. I don't yeah. think there's enough interest to, to have a two-and-a-half-hour you know, movie for something like yeah. that anyway. Exactly. Well, it's, it's sort of like it's sort of like having a Mandalorian-only movie. I don't see that being a thing either. I mean, I just no, uh, what are no. what are what are they going to fight? I mean, right. what are the, what's it going to be about? I mean, it's going to be <laughs> yeah. about you know. I, so I can see that they were great as supporting characters. Um, I don't think they were great as um main characters in a movie. You know, in a in a you know, in a smaller thing like you know the live action series that John Favreau's working on. Now, my biggest hope there is that that's like an old Republic thing. That'd be cool. Where you but... do, yeah, that would be that would be awesome, because then you would actually see a lot more Mandalorians. Yeah, since they before were the Mandalorian of... War and everything. Yep, yep, and I think that would make more sense to have them in a, um, in that kind of you know where it's a, a show, you know, like a yeah. TV show. Yeah. That would be, That'd be awesome. cool, and then then uh, if Thanos could show up with the Infinity Gauntlet and snap his fingers, oh, and, you know. Spoilers, we, have, spoilers. we haven't watched it yet. We haven't watched it yet. <laughs> okay. Oh, there's a lot of things when he snapped. But I'm not going to spoil it. But that's just one facet of it. But anyway, you know, yeah. it's nice to have uh, that crossover thing would be kind of cool, you know. Right. But uh, and anyway, uh, yeah. I'm, Disney's I'm, I'm, gone too I'm, far if that happens. <laughs> uh, oh goodness. See a mouse in the background next. <laughs> uh. Yeah, well, you know what will be next. Is they will acquire DC, and then the world will come to an end. <laughs> yeah. Oh Lord! Uh, I don't uh, think there's any risk doing that one. Well, I think we kind of started on the next question I had for you guys. Um, just uh, to throw it out there, though, on the previous question, Cassie and I both really enjoyed the Last Jedi. So you're not alone with that, uh, there, Tom. It was my favorite Star Wars movie to date. I uh, will say that on record. Yeah, we we definitely (laughs) like that gritty kind of life lesson approach that he took with all the heroes. And it was was cool to see that, that humbling of what people expected from it. Um, But that was our take. Uh, Moving on with the next question, though. We've got... um, if you could add one thing back that was lost in the Legends Purge of canon material, what would it be and why? And I, I feel like that we transitioned too well as we were just talking about Old Republic and uh, a lot of that kind of stuff that got kind of thrown to the back burner when uh, Disney kind of did buy us all out and um, er- for all intents and purposes erase all of that, which... Personally, if I could say something on it, I think they did a great job with how they did it as far as calling it all legends. Um, it's really cool that they do it that way because it's kind of, I look at it as while this stuff is no longer canon, it's stuff that you would hear like in a cantina bar, whispers in the wind, stories told from one bounty hunter to another, you know, stuff that may not be true anymore but it's still kind of told in these CD bars and stuff like that. That's kind of how I looked at it. And I thought it was kind of cool that they did that and smart because it was that we can take these things and say, yeah, that really happened. We're going to completely change it because you misheard that story or just completely get rid of it. If they didn't like it. My personal. Cause I'm not sure. going to, I was going to say, I'm going to let Tom take this one because to be honest with you, I never invested in any legends, uh, okay. any of the, anything 
you know, so I don't really have a take on that, to be honest with you. Uh, I never really played any of the video games or any comic books or anything else that, you know, any of that expanded universe stuff, what have you. Uh, you call pretty yourself much stuck. a nerd. <laughs> Rob, Rob, yeah, I don't, I'm Rob not a real movie nerd. purist. He's just a movie purist. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I am. It's not. That's right. We still love you, Rob. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, as far as le the, you know, the the legend stuff goes, you know, I think the the big the big thing to remember about legends is that it creates an, a huge um, pool of resources for yes. them to draw on, which they have been drawing on for the new movie material, and even some of the new books and the comics. There's yeah. some legend stuff that's coming back into the comics. So, um, you know, it's it it it's not really gone it, yeah. by any means. It, you know, it's uh, it's just a a different point of view. Is yeah. A good way to put it, different point that. of view. And so, uh, as far as what characters or what I would like to see come, I'd like to see me come back. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna be a little arrogant here. I'd love to see me come back there from go. Legends. <laughs> you know, but th as far as things that we lost, I mean, you know, I'm I'm looking at this mostly from from Mando side. I really wish that they would bring back the the different you know different species. Um, kind of the species adoption portion of Mandalorians. I feel like you know bringing that back would kind of um, they've brought back so much stuff. They've brought back the armor. Uh, they've brought back you know obviously the the, the language and all that. But uh, I feel like that's the last piece of the of the Mando puzzle that cool. that needs to come back. That would really it would pretty much set things back to the way they were pre um, pre Legends at that point. So um, I don't know if that'll ever happen. It may, but uh, I'm not going to hold my breath for too long. Yeah, but cool. um, you know that to me that would be the the the, the neatest thing to, to come back. That's cool. That's a good answer. Definitely good answer. I think <laughs> I'm a big Mando purist and everything, but I think I got to go with Revan as far as anything I would want to come back. Make Revan canon again. Yes. <laughs> he was close. He was close. Okay. They almost okay. they almost had him in a Clone Wars. Yeah, so and then they just did Bane. Yeah, they, they actually had him animated and everything just not finalized. Yeah, I, I almost feel like we might see him come back if, if this John Favreau thing is Old Republic. Yeah. I think there's a good chance that they will bring um, Revan back because he's probably the most, outside of Vader, is probably the most popular uh, and 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 loved sith lord so no if, if you can kylo. say loved nobody ever has love for kylo no kylo scares people <laughs> so, he's just too kylo. he's, Kylo's my he's too he's too whiny for me oh. i mean he's on well that's exactly he's like he's like 20 year old like 20 or 18 year old anakin like he's like attack of the clones anakin he, he's a 20 that, year old honestly, man in a children's uh, child's yeah. mindset uh -huh. Harking back to our last uh, conversation, our question, that's one of the reasons I had an issue with the last movie was the fact that I felt like he should have matured between, you know, seven and eight, and he didn't do that. He still acts like a petulant child, and that, to me... It's Darth know, Tantrum. Gonna... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I mean, Anakin never really matured between two and three, yeah. so... I mean, you know. That's true. Well, maybe we'll have, maybe there's a redemption in nine. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Like, you know? like grandfather, like grandson, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. That whole Skywalker family is so extra and dramatic. <laughs> yes. I know. It's like a Jerry Springer episode every time, it an, is, you know, a Star Wars episode movie comes out. So. I, I yes. got to defend yes. Kylo, though, because, you know, I've got the costume. 
And when we're sitting there watching the actual movie premiere night in theater, and Han calls across the bridge and says, Ben, I kind of stood up a little bit in my seat and <laughs> kind of did. did a yes. I can attest you know, to this, he did. Because, you know, how many other people have their name in Star Wars this many places? I got Kenobi and a solo here. I mean, so I kind of <laughs> had to back him. <laughs> That's that's pretty cool though. <laughs> I guess I guess he deserves one fan. That's all right. Right. And yes. if you want to talk about canon, I've got a Skywalker too. <laughs> or non-canon, I'm sorry. Well. Yeah. <laughs> he got well, right I'd, I'd have to admit Obi-Wan would Obi-Wan would beat Anakin hands down as far yeah. as my favorite. Although the Clone Wars did a lot for Anakin. That's I think that's one of the, we talk about redemption. I think the actual Clone Wars pulled him out of the gutter as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Uh, that really improved his character, and Definitely. I, you know, up until that point, I was loathing of him. Until after that, and after after Clone Wars, uh, I was really satisfied. I thought they did a pretty good job. So, you know, miracles can happen, I guess. Definitely, <laughs> even with Anakin. Kenobi's my favorite Jedi too, so I'm with you there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> right. I gotta well, be contrary. Well, cool, Cassie. Want to go ahead and move on to our next question? There, it kind of gets away from the. Yep. The Star Wars community, but let's go ahead and... Mostly, mostly breaking away from Star Wars, uh, depending on what your answer is. <laughs> what are your interests outside of Star Wars? Oh my things God, outside yeah. of Star Wars? <laughs> there there are outside? other things that exist really? outside of Star Wars, I assure <laughs> you. Oh my gosh, that's so enlightening. Uh, yeah, I'm just the opposite. I mean, do you have, how much time do we have? Two or three hours? Because, you know... <laughs> Uh, I've got a full plate. Uh. I know you do, and I kind of wrote that one just because I do know that about you, Rob. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. You would think I wouldn't have time to breathe or eat, but everything else I do. But, uh, you know. uh, I'll let, Tom, you want to go first on this? Well, yeah, I guess mine's going to be pretty short. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can use but, armor but, smithing uh, in there. That's that's an awesome yeah. trait. Well, yeah, the, well, I, the, only, the only stuff I make is Star Wars I armor. Say, so, you I mean, know, you know. makes Mando armor. <laughs> Yeah, right. Alicia's always complaining at me because I don't do any other costumes. And I'm like, it takes all of my energy to do this one <laughs> really yeah. to keep it going. <laughs> I don't know that I can do another one. Although I do have a pirate that one day I'm, I'm going to finish. I've been saying that for like the last seven years that I've had the stuff. But um, yeah. I mean, yeah, outside of outside of of, of you know, of. Star Wars as a fandom, I mean, it really is kind of a profession for me too. So yeah. it's, it's hard for you know. There's not a whole lot else. I guess that makes me somewhat boring. But uh, <laughs> you know, I do I I do the armor smithing, which you know, and and that's and and I do build props on occasion. Although I don't build big props anymore. Yeah. Um, the speeder was, but, uh, was amazing. Yeah, that was that was it. That was a one and done thing for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, that's that's. I guess one of my biggest passions is really the the com the, the community in general, like with the the Star Wars costume community. Um, I'm always looking at ways to try to help bring you know bring the community together more and awesome. and you know that kind of stuff. So that's that's kind of it for me. That's cool, and and that's our hope with this podcast is to to bring all the different walks of life as far as the community goes, the 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 fandom the the costume communities, the vendors, the uh, the cosplayers, whatever, you know, to bring them all together and give them voices. So that's cool. That's awesome. Here, I'll throw you a bone, though, as far as uh, outside of Star Wars. 
Do you have a favorite uh, comic book character? Uh, well, I did when I was a kid. I was a huge Punisher fan. Perfect. Like, I still have all my that makes sense. all my old comics. That makes sense. Um, I can see that. <laughs> it's actually it's actually a really weird story behind that because I didn't really read comics until my parents got divorced, and then um, I picked up my uh, uh, Punisher War Zone number two, and this would have been back in ninety one. Okay. Yeah, um, which I I mean obviously I still have all that stuff still, and um, I just. It was it was a tough time for me in life because my parents did not have a very good divorce, and uh, you know I picked that up and I'm like, oh yeah, this guy's kicking some butt. You know, <laughs> yeah. made me feel, feel made me feel kind of better about life, and uh, you know, and and I was a huge uh, Punisher comic collector for for oh, gosh, probably even up until I joined the Navy. Gotcha. Um, and that was yeah, I mean, yeah, and and then before that it was. Uh, I was a huge G.I. Joe fan as a kid, um, had like all the figures, even even loved it so much. I saved up allowance money to buy, had my parents buy me some stock in Hasbro. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I was a huge G.I. Joe fan. I even, I'm dressed up like them. I was, you know, I used to, I, before there was Star Wars costuming, I was G.I. Joe costuming when I was <laughs> like, you know, 10 years old. So We got um, a lot in common yeah. uh, actually. Yeah. <laughs> And, and then I joined the Navy. So, I mean, you know, hey, you know, it couldn't get any better than that, right? It right. cost me it to being in real life. So that's just funny how that kind, that kind of is – that's kind of like a, 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 a life thing for me. I'll get into costuming, and then it becomes my real life for some reason. <laughs> it's really weird how that's – you know, I just realized Tom, that. It's just really weird. Perfect idea. Start costuming as a millionaire. This should work. Go. We got to try know, this. Yeah, it that go. might not be a bad idea. Scrooge it may take another decade, but still, <laughs> it might be worth this. it. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> well, you gotta I'm do the accent Yeah, you gotta learn the Scottish yeah. accent if you're gonna be a, you know. Uh, I might make too many Vox TV members mad if I try that. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I'm like, kind of like Tom. I'll use his uh, his comic book illusion as a segue into mine because my favorite my favorite one was always Batman from when I since I was a little kid, and he's probably the first guy I ever cosplayed uh, like at six or seven years old, you know. And I I can remember buying that first Detective Comics issue back in 1939. I still have that, by the way. Oh, I, was, I mean, no, you bought kidding. it back in 19. 19- I was about to say. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm old, but I'm not that old. But no, but he, you, uh, you cry freeze Will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what is your has always been my favorite, and he's he's kind of coming home to roost with me now that I'm older, you know. Uh, I just like the fact that he doesn't really have superpowers, but he has a lot of money, and that's you know, even though I don't have a lot of money, it's something to aspire to anyway. So, you know, he was thing, and 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 of course, the other one of my other interests, like Tom, was the military thing. Uh, I did have a few GI Joes, but uh, we recently, or I say recently, probably for the last 20 years or so, I've been doing a lot of volunteer work at our local uh, World War II museum, become a living historian. So uh, besides, other than Mandalorians, um, that's probably my second largest passion as far as all the uniforms I have and all the weapons and everything we have because we basically go around teaching people the history of World War II, the greatest generation. So cool. that's something I'm kind of proud of. I've done that for a long time, and we're volunteers out there at our local museum. And uh, it, it's pretty nice thing to be doing, you know. Um, That's cool. And I've and, seen pictures of it. It's it's legit for anybody that hasn't seen him doing that. It's completely completely accurate stuff. It's really cool that you do that. 
Well, appreciate that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's nice to people to learn, you know, to teach them or whatever. And uh, we do firing demonstrations and stuff like that. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, uh, let's see, other interests of mine would be, I like history. I'm a big history fan, uh, as you probably well know. I like history of the Old West, American West. Uh, uh, the, public, the public enemy era of the 20s and 30s in the United States is real, is real uh, fascinating for me. Um, and, of course, uh, we, I joined the SCA 25 years ago. And so SCA stuff and medieval stuff has always been a real was always interesting for me too and that actually what got me got me into costuming and we'll get to that question later i'm sure but uh, that was part of it and but the other thing i do is i collect a lot of stuff as you guys do you collect a lot of toys uh you got a, a really nice collection i should say oh, but nice. uh i collect books books and toys and music movie memorabilia whatever i can you know whatever interests me you know and uh and then like tom i like making stuff i make props when i can but i do a lot of home renovations that's working with my hands I enjoy that because I have a technical job every day where I push a mouse around eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. And when I come home, I can actually bust my knuckles and, you know, and, and, and get a little relief from that kind of thing. And that's why I have like several old cars out in the backyard that I turn riches on and hot rods and stuff that I deal with. So, I mean, I got a big plate with a lot of crap on it and I do a little bit of everything, kind of like the jack of all trades, master of none, you know, but it keeps life interesting anyway. So that's yeah, about absolutely. like as much as Kathy will let you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause I do I do a lot of traveling too, as you well know, if you follow us on Facebook. So you know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that's that's my that's my take on what we do outside of Star Wars. Anyway. Cool. That's cool. And you got to have those de-stressors. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. That's true. <laughs> awesome. So looking guys. for mine. Yeah, I'm telling you, start dressing <laughs> as that millionaire. <laughs> there you go. It comes in the bottle sometimes, Tom. It comes in the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, careful what kind of bottle we're talking. Yeah, <laughs> bottle of water, bottle of milk. Water. There you go. <laughs> there you I'm go. talking about. I'm drinking diet coke right now, so you know. As long as not green milk. Yeah, as long as not green milk. See where that comes from. <laughs> yeah. Another reason we hate that movie. <laughs> Just that scene. Just that scene. Well, once you see it, you can't unsee it. So yeah. like, uh, <laughs> haunts me in my dreams. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Um, all right, guys. I think we broke the ice pretty well, got to know you guys a little bit. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to some of the, the more costuming discussions here. And our first question we have for that is, what would you say was your first real costume that you built, Star Wars or otherwise? Which I'm guessing, Tom, it's prob kind of already answered that <laughs> with the, the G.I. Joe stuff. But tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, well... My brother was, uh, he's a Marine, well, ex-Marine, I guess once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine, yeah. and, you know, he's he's 10 years older than me, so when he got out of, um, when he got out of, of boot camp, um, he, you know, he was, I believe my brother was about 20 when he went in, which would have made me around 10, and uh, so he had all this, you know, all this extra Marine stuff that, that he gave to me, so I was, you know, auto automatically there, I was, I I went from being me to, to gung ho, basically from Jack gotcha. Joe. Nice. So I had all so I had all this marine stuff. So you know, I used to love to to, to dress up in in the fatigues, and I'd go down in the, in the woods. I'm, you know, I, my my uh, parents had a house on about three acres of land, but we had a huge woods behind the house that just went on forever. Oh, cool. And I'd go down there and build forts and and uh, you know obstacle courses and things like that and. 
Uh, I think my parents probably wonder how I survived yeah. some of that stuff. I got scars to that. still. Yeah, I've still got scars from all this stuff that I built and <laughs> fell on and you know, yeah, worked oh, out yeah. as well as I hoped, you know. My brother and my yeah, cousins and play... I used to do that with BB guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, we used to do that with the friends. Yeah, 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 you know. You only you only pump the gun once. You never pump it more than once <laughs> when you're shooting at each other. Yeah. You know? So but if he's yeah, listening, I wonder if he still got it, but Funny story with that. My brother, as far as I know, still has a BB sitting in his leg from me climbing up in a tree, walking or seeing yeah, him walking. My brother got one his finger. Yeah, me pumping that that gun probably 10, 20 times, as many as I Oh, can. yeah, yeah. You never <laughs> pump it more than once. Come on. Oh, my God. Oh, it was a sniper shot. I was in a tree. Oh, man, that's funny. Through his dinner. Yeah, we've all that. Yeah. We've all done things like that. <laughs> oh yeah, things, totally. I mean, that's if you had to, uh, things, things we yell at children about doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the that's yeah that's just the the mischievous kid stuff. But uh, I didn't I didn't have I mean you know I didn't have a whole lot of kids that lived close by. I had like one kid that lived a couple a couple houses up, but he was a little more sporty you know sports person. Uh, but we were buddies. We were you know we played Nintendo and stuff like that at each other's houses. Um, cool. and, and I'm talking about the old school, a bit Nintendo, you know, yeah. so <laughs> not this newfangled stuff they got nowadays, <laughs> these kids with yeah. their, with their YouTubes and all that. Hey, but, listen, uh, dude, I, I remember the 2600. I remember playing pitfall. Oh, hey, we, had, yes. we, we had the, my brother had just the pong it yeah, was just so the two paddles, and it was pong or squash. And then we got yeah, the, we the <laughs> yeah, that was fine. Just seeing the lines going up and down the screen. And then. Yeah. My my brother, he's he's actually my half brother. His father uh, bought a Commodore sixty four and gave to him. Oh, and yeah. this was back in like eighty five, and uh, and it was already kind of old by then, you know. But uh, but anyway, my brother's colorblind, so we had a hard time reading because we had to program the thing ourselves. I mean, you know, we had to yeah. drive twenty twenty miles to find the nearest computer software store. And uh, so we would get the magazines and we would program it ourselves, the games and ourselves. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean that – and then my my best friend, who we've been friends for probably 30-some oh, years, he lived about a mile and changed up the road. So, you know, I didn't really have anybody close by. I wasn't like in a neighborhood or anything. So most of the stuff I did was pretty much on my own. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you I, I had a really – I had a really vivid imaginary world that I lived in as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that translated well to it translated well. Yes, it did. Yeah. So uh, well, at least, but that was you had more than I had. I had rocks and sticks to play with. That's pretty much it. Well, that, yeah, that was before electricity, <laughs> though. Come on, give me. Yes, a it was way before electricity. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's before phones when they were still tying cans together with stirring the top of the, you know, exactly. Miles away. Pick up the can, yeah. Bob. Pick up the can. <laughs> Yeah, we flew kites. People don't even know what a kite is anymore, you know. We had those when I was – we had kites. We had kites. Yeah, well, now, now they're drones, you know, but back then you had a string tied yeah. to it, you know. Yeah. We used to have kite wars. That was a lot of fun, you know. Yeah. So, Tom, the, the first Star Wars costume, though, was was that Mandalore the Uniter, at least the, the first rendition of it? Was that your first one, or did you start off with a different one? Like, as in my first, like, professional-type costume? Because let's, I let's did have, that. like... Okay, because I did have a Halloween costume in 82 that was the Darth Vader trash bag costume that everybody had back nice, then. Nice, uh, yeah. It's totally a professional yeah. costume. 
I think there's a picture of that somewhere on my my, my personal Facebook page. I want to say know. I've seen that. Yep, yep. And uh, but yeah, as far as do, do I, Rob? I said I won't admit to seeing it, but I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's and that's when we lived in Florida. So I mean, you know, that was uh, that yeah. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, I guess my first. Well, no, my first professional costume was a uh, I had a, a, a kind of a monk's robe slash necromancer style costume that I had oh, made okay. um, but I had a monk's robe mainly for because I was in the SCA too okay. um, that's kind of, that's kind of what I got what got me into costuming was SCA and I did a I had a monk that I did and and uh, I that's where I'd started learning armor smithing and I had made a like a Viking a set of uh, hmm. Viking style armor for myself. That's cool. And um, and then after that it was yeah. Then after that it was the Star Wars stuff, and that's you know pretty much you know the Mando armor, and it's pretty much been that ever since. So awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, well, mine was something similar to that. Uh, my very first one was a was an English outlaw or a wolf head, okay. uh, because we you know it was for the SCA and uh, uh, I had a bow and everything. I, there's some pictures on my Facebook page too back in the day. I think we did that about '86 or '87 is when I really got into costuming. Um, uh, you know, from that, we want to call it "quote unquote" professional. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I did that too. It was in the SCA, built some armor. wasn't really great armor, but it was, you know, it was uh, something so you wouldn't get a head broken in a rattan sword, you know, broken over your head or something like that. But uh, most of that stuff was made like out of propane tanks and things of that nature. They were <laughs> they were pretty crude, you know, bassinets. <laughs> it was it was it was terrible. But uh, but uh, I kind of I actually enjoyed the archery aspect better because you know you didn't get hurt nearly as bad so it was <laughs> like mm, I, we stuck to that you know but uh, that was my segue though into into costuming that as far as professional uh, not counting my early Batman uh, which was a basically a, a drugstore costume that you would get for Halloween you know yeah. and uh, but after that it was you know it was pretty much the the World War II thing I guess you can it's really not a costume as much as a uniform but. That was kind of the next thing, and then then I found the Mercs, and uh, then it was uh, Mandalorian after that. And of course, I'm working on some other ones now. You know, Shutter the thing. I know Tom's not real fine, but I'm working on a Jedi. One of these days, it'll be done. And, oh, God. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm actually working right now. Do I've it. shifted emphasis. I have a I have a Kylo too, you know, but I can't seem to get my robes straight, so I'll have to deal with that later. But uh, between that and I, I got an Arkham Asylum Batman that I've that I've purchased a lot of things for too so because i've got to you know it's like a it's like a full circle for me i started out as batman when i was a kid and i've got to finish up as batman as an old man you know kind of like the frank miller dark knight he was like 55 years old or something in the book so yeah i was gonna say you should totally do the batman beyond one (laughs) yeah really old bruce sitting in a chair screaming at a kid that's his life already (laughs) (laughs) where's terry mcginnis we need you where is he you know but, uh, but anyway, that that's kind of me right there. You know, I had I enjoy costuming, but I don't have like a a lot of costumes. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of my friends. Like uh, I'm not gonna say who they are, but some people have lots of costumes. You know, what? And, uh, I just get out of fashion. Well, not that my my friends are independently wealthy too. You know, so that's just the way it goes. Hey, it's all in priorities. It is really actually <laughs> life choices. I don't need to don't. eat this week. I need that costume. That's right. <laughs> well, yeah, if I sold about five of the cars I have in my backyard, you know, I'd probably could do better too. But anyway, that's me here. <laughs> but anyway, that's my story on costume. You know how I got into it. So, and also too, I plan to return to the SCA one day because the SCA to me now is an old man's group. You know, so it's like. Uh, 
again but with that crotchy old uh you know, <laughs> get off yeah. my lawn i'll be the old guy sitting in chain mail you know get off my lawn <laughs> get thee off my lawn get thee off my yes <laughs> get thee back <laughs> yeah. get thee past the moat oh good stuff <laughs> well i think we also answered what was your motivation to build those so we'll kind of skip over that one that we had um, but we will ask, um, going into more of the, the costume community as a whole, uh, to both of you guys, because both of you guys are, from what I understand, founding members of the Mandalorian Mercs Costume Club. Uh, what was your motivation to actually start this organization that's grown so vastly in the last 10 years? Oh, man. Well, I'm gonna, let me jump in real first and tell everybody first. Uh, the, actually, Tom is the is the, the is the master of this. He's the, he, this all sprang from him. Uh, I was here to help out when the time came when he asked me to help. But uh, I'm gonna let him take this one because he's actually, you know, he is the founder and he's the this is his brainchild and I'm honored to be a part of it. But uh, we all you know, are. Uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna defer again to let Tom take over this one here since cool. he knows more than anybody else. Oh wow! Well, and 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 I'll be honest. I've probably this question. I've probably had this question asked no less than a thousand times sure. over the last eleven years. And now years. it's a thousand and one. I, I know, right? I feel like this uh, that that I I I've mastered the answer on this for some reason. Um, I'm just I waiting mean, on the, the uh, tape recorder in the background because it's pre-recorded. He's just like, yeah, I know this. Yeah, one. right. <laughs> click, click. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean the 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 motivation that started was. Um, basically revolved around uh, my getting into the Mandalorian aspect of, of costuming, and that came from um, playing Star Wars Galaxies, which was uh, an MMO, which is really the first Star Wars MMO um, back in, you know, back in the early 2000s. I believe it launched in 2004. Yeah, it, yeah, was, it, was, it was back there. It was old. And I had played the game from beta all the way up to, you know, um, for several years I had played. And uh, and I had loved MMOs. I had played another one for many years before that called Ultima Online. Okay. And um, I was a big EverQuest had, fan. Yeah, well, my wife is a huge EverQuest fan. That's where she got into it through <laughs> yeah. EverQuest. And uh, I had um, the unfortunate knack for, for leading guilds for oh, some yeah. reason. Um, I would, I you know, when I played Ultima, I led like the largest guild of bad guys on our server and um and that kind of happened with galaxies where i you know i got in the game and had you know some friends and started a guild and uh um we you know the guild was called uh, mandalorian mercenaries okay. and we ran around and and you know uh, played mandalorian characters and, and went and got the armor it was really difficult armor to get back when we were getting it early in the game it was extremely oh, yeah. difficult to get and um you know, uh, that's kind of where my Mercs character, my original Mercs character, was born from that game. And um, my wife had had been wanting to go to a, a big convention in Atlanta called Dragon Con. She had been wanting to go to that for years, and had been trying to get me to go. And I was like, Ah, oh, it's going to cost so much. I don't know. I've never really been to a convention before, and <laughs> I, I wasn't sure. If, you know, I was like, Ah, oh, okay. Well, we'll go. And that was back in 2006. And um, for anybody listening to this that has never been to Dragon Con, don't make it your first convention. <laughs> it is, <laughs> it is not, not the convention. Yeah, it, 
It is not a convention for the uninitiated in conventions. It is. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is not. Oh, that's, it a, is, that's a veterans convention right there, buddy. Yeah, and even in 2006 when it was a, a, a quite a bit smaller than it is now, um, it was still a huge, huge convention. Yeah. And so, you know, um, we had taken some costumes that were, you know, eh, it wasn't great. I, I took one of my SCA costumes, and then we had a couple other little thrown-together junky costumes that we took and um but i saw some guys there that were dressed up as their own mandalorian characters and they didn't really have a place to go they've kind of been you know they weren't really with the 501st they weren't with the rebel legion um and those were the only two star wars costume groups there and dragon con at the time and uh, they were kind of just being ushered you know away yeah. from that and to their own little thing and um, I went and talked to him and said, hey, you know, how'd you guys do that? That's really cool. And I mean, you know, cons compared to, to Merck's costumes today, they were, you know, they were like pre what we would accept now. But they were great. I mean, I was like, these are like the coolest freaking costumes ever. They're freaking Mandalorians. This is awesome. Well, you got to remember, and, uh, too, you, you look at the old Star Wars movie premieres when people were making their own Star oh, yeah. costumes and everything else. They exactly. were pretty bad. We've, yeah, we've all I mean, you know, come a long ways for all the different groups as far as our quality. Oh, totally. But but the, to me, they were awesome. It was yeah. like, oh, this is great because it was right when Karen Travis was starting to write about Mandalorians as well. So oh, they yeah. were starting to kind of get a fandom, and uh, and and I I told my my wife when we were coming back, I said, you know, I said I really want to build one of those, and she said, well, you should, and I said, okay, well, I'll do that. So when I got home, I started. Uh, this was. Uh, this would have been September of 2006. I started looking everywhere for um, information on it and references and all that, and I found the dented helmet, and they had a real small section for custom Mandalorians on the dented helmet, and um, going through that, I found there was another forum called Heroes, Villains, and Mandalorians, which was kind of a catch-all costume thing, but they had a, a bigger following of Mandalorian okay. costumes. And so I got involved with that and started talking to some people on there. And um, I've, you know, I, I didn't really know much. I didn't really know anything about the 501st and the Rebel Legion at that time. And um, and talking to them, I'd found out that you know that it had been, it only been about a year or so before that that the 501st had gotten rid of all their custom mm -hmm. costumes because they actually used to let in custom characters. Yeah, and a lot of people um, don't realize that. Yes, yeah, so a lot of people don't even know that, um, and so they had what was affectionately called the Great Purge, mm -hmm. and um, got rid of yeah. yeah, and and <laughs> and got rid of all those custom custom costumes, and um, so talking to some of the guys there, I said, well, you know, I said there's enough people here. Why don't we just start our own group? You know, why don't we just start our own costume group and. And we can troop as Mandalorians, and we can organize events just like the other groups do. I don't see why we couldn't do that. So I got a hold of, uh, of some of the guys and found a, a convention that was happening that wasn't super far away from, from us uh, out in Knoxville, Tennessee called AdventureCon. And uh, uh, Tagler dressed John Nichols, who was our first uh, communications officer, which is what the tech officer sprang from. Yeah. Um, and then the uh, 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 Brian Laundry, who uh, went by Jungaro's Fett, who was our very first Alor in Mercs, um, they said they came down uh, 
Brian, uh, J- Brian came from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which is way up there. Oh, yeah. And John and John came from Ohio, and we all we met at AdventureCon, and Alicia came with me, and um, that was the first Merck's troop. And it was actually ironic that J- uh, Jeremy Bullock was there. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, we we took some pictures with Jeremy and. He was. He thought it was awesome the way we looked, and we were different, you know, characters than Boba, but we looked similar. And Jeremy's and, uh, super nice. Oh, he is. He's just the greatest guy. Him and his his wife Maureen too. She's just a sweetheart. Yeah. And um, uh, that was basically the first Merc troop, and we, you know, we sat down and we talked, and um, and we, you know, we just kind of decided, hey, we, you know, we think we could we can make this work, and. So we created a. I had already created a um, kind of a makeshift website slash forum, gotcha. and uh, got John on board with helping me run that because he had had a, some experience moderating some some forums before, and uh, it just kind of snowballed from there. And um, I, I found some guys local here in North Carolina, and we started up Talon Clan, and then. Um, uh, Falco clan. There were some guys up in New York that hopped on. This is all within probably the first three months. Oh, wow. Um, the, the, uh, the guys up in Falco clan came on board and started a Falco clan, which uh, this was a time when, when one clan would cover like many States. So Falco clan basically covered everything North of Virginia and Talon clan was Virginia and North and South Carolina. And then, um, and then Rob and his two sons came on board with uh, what was the guy's name? Rob, the the first uh, personnel um, officer. Herman. Herman. Yeah, his Herman. Name was Her- Herman Dameron. Yes. Yeah, he's uh, yes. bounty hunter X. I think is what he yeah. did. Yes, by. that's exactly what he was. Yep. And uh, he, he uh, our yeah, and he, he those those four guys came on board and uh, and what's his name? Um, Billy. They they came on board and started a BBC down there in Florida. And was was NAS part of BBC one time? No, I don't think they were. I think they were no, always it was, just kind of. No, no, it was. They were kind of like floating around in space. Until yeah, like they were the, floating around in space. Yeah. And then we had uh, uh, um, the California Trank Trank Patrade Clan or whatever that was all of California, and Vakchi right. uh, Vakchi came on board right about the same time BBC did. So they were our first outside of the U.S. clan. And then Jai Clan, which is up in Ontario. So I mean, it, it didn't take long in the first year of Mercs for all these clans to start forming. And this is back when it was like three three people could form a clan. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was <laughs> tiny yeah. amounts. You know, and um, and and it, it just all these people getting interested. And of course, Karen Travis was writing the books, and and I had a really good fr- you know really good friendly relationship with Karen and. And, you know, um, uh, it was just really great to see how all of the stuff that she was writing about Star Wars was actually translating out here to people building their costumes and everything. And it really just it just kind of was kind of like, you know, like what Gimli talks about uh, dwarves in Lord of the Rings just kind of <laughs> sprang up out of holes in the ground. People just sort <laughs> I like of, that. yeah, coming out of the woodwork. It was just and, you know, and, and you got to remember, too, this was back when if you had a helmet and you had chest armor. That was pretty much all it took for you to get in Merc. <laughs> yes. We didn't yeah. really have, yeah, we didn't have like CRLs. We don't, didn't. I don't mean, tell Tony about those days. Oh, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have we, kneecap. I didn't have kneecap for almost like five or six years. Yeah, shame. I mean, we didn't have. I know, we didn't have. 
we had guys that like that's all they had was just a yeah. helmet and and the chest plates and and that was enough for us i mean it was you know they it's like you look mandalorian enough to me and uh you know that's kind of how things things started off yeah. and it, it grew so fast in a year that um you know, it, it just blew up. And then after about the first three years, I was actually still the uh, Allerad of Talon clan at the time. And it wasn't until, what, Rob, maybe about 2008, late into 2008, that members actually, the council actually approached me about, because I wasn't originally Mandalore. There was no Mandalore originally. It was just, we were all just, uh, yeah, it, we were all just clan leaders at the time. And, uh, and then we had the council and some of the council members were also clan leaders at the time. Um, and that's when I guess the council kind of told me we need to, we need to have a Mandalore here. We need to, you know, we need to have like a, like one leader over everything. And so, you know, that was, that was when all that happened. And then in I'm sure that's 2000, happening. yeah. Oh yeah. Seriously. Um, I was not very happy with the choices that the members were looking for because I let the members decide of what what my what the epithet and all that stuff would be. Um, I was I was looking more for like oh Mandalore the Destroyer, Mandalore <laughs> yeah. the you know the Punisher, <laughs> Mandalore the you know Punisher, yeah. You're yeah, Mandalore of the Rainbow. What? Yeah, right. <laughs> and somebody said, oh, "I think you should be Mandalore the Uniter because he brought all of us together." And I'm like, Mandalore the Uniter? What kind of freaking name is that? <laughs> Yeah. Come on, it works. that's like that's like it works. Yeah. Oh no, it's to it's totally perfect now. I mean, looking back at it, it's like there. I don't think there could have been a better name, yeah. really. Um, but it wasn't really my first first choice of names at the time in my younger days. Yeah, it wasn't absolutely. Really what I was looking for. I want to go um, smash skulls. I don't want to unite anyone. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, yeah. I want to be Mandalore the Planet Destroyer or something. But uh, but. That's uh, <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. Snap my fingers. And uh but... spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. We're gonna put a disclaimer but, uh... at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> yeah, right. But I think it really wasn't until two thousand and nine. It was shortly after that when um I took actually no, I'm sorry, it was two thousand and eight. It was really right about that time. It was actually it was right after that that vote had happened. Um when I went out to uh, San Diego Comic-Con to help set up the first Mercs table out there, and um, I had a really good discussion with the uh, the founder of uh, um, SVC, our, our um, Shon Servid Kala clan out in Arizona, mm -hmm. and uh, he was a good, really good buddy of mine and a really, really good guy. He was quite a bit older than me, kind of like Rob, and, uh, <laughs> you know. And you know we were just talking there, and and of course this is back when you could have a, a brew in your armor and nobody really cared, and uh, we had just done I just done the wedding of uh, Tom and Tennille, the the Mando wedding, and um, he was sitting down and, and we were talking and he said you know he said if you want this thing to work you know you really you're gonna have to be like the Pope of this thing right and I'm like what are you talking about dude <laughs> I think it's Pope of this thing <laughs> like. No, there's no pope. Mandalore, the holy, Mandalore, the holy eminence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, his holiness. But uh, yeah. I'm like, that sounds kind of crazy. He's like, no, you need to think about it. It's like, cause it, he's like, read about Mandos. He's like, you know, that's you, you're gonna have to find a way to to become that if you want people to, you know, to really flock to it. You're gonna yeah. have to just commit yourself to it. It's it's just what it's gonna have to be. 
And uh, I thought about that for a long time. And yeah, and I just kind of was like, well, I guess I can try that and see what happens. And and it pretty much worked. Yeah. And when you, when you become um, an icon probably to like my that. yeah, probably to my wife's dismay more than anything. <laughs> Well, and and I I will say it was it was it was difficult, and I had to make a lot of difficult choices early on. That in some ways I kind of regret nowadays because it meant that I had to stop doing some things in order to do this. Yeah. And you know, and it's a it's a tough it's a really tough tough trade off. It's and it's a hard thing for people to understand that, but it is a tough trade off when you kind of have to you have to kind of commit yourself to something like this. Yeah. yeah, your dreams of being a professional GI Joe was over. Yeah, yeah, they're gone, man. No, no, no more gung ho. You know, no gung ho. No more GI Joe for you. Yep, yep. But uh, but that's that's how most got started, that's and really cool you know, story. you know, so. And it snowballed from there. It really did. Yeah, it's, it's, it's grown so big. It snowballed from there. Definitely, thank you for everything you did to put it together because it was my first home too, and I. Completely thank you for everything he's done to build it. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, I always tell people, I told a guy today, he messaged me on Facebook, thanking me, he just got approved. And I'm like, you know, I said, I appreciate the kind words. said, but always remember, it's the members that make Merck special. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's really the members that make it special. I'm just one person in a sea of people. And it's, it's the members that make it work so well. And, you know, we all have our little tiffs and our little, you know, uh, struggles and this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, you know, we've got to remember that we're all we're all here because we enjoy. Yep, and, and it's the nature of any, and it's the nature of any kind of collection of people. I mean, Definitely. it's just human nature, actually. Yeah, it's a family. I mean, in any family, you know, yes. you've got you've got falling outs and things like. Oh that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah definitely. Yes. it's that's about <laughs> as true as it can be. It is a big family. Yeah. Sometimes we fight, and sometimes we we hug and. You know, that's right. yeah. we're always and I'm always a grumpy old grandpa. That's right. Yeah. Not my <laughs> Children, yeah, can't, yeah, no telling what he's gonna say. He's making noises over there. That, that, that's just old Vart. Just, just yeah. You know, just nodding agree, nodding agree. <laughs> he's yep. over there varting, making varting noises. <laughs> well, cool, awesome, uh, Cassie. I think you had the next question. Yeah. So it kind of ties into the last one a little bit, but can be also completely separate from costuming, if you want to answer it that way. How would you personally describe a good leader? And let's let Rob start with that since Tom Yeah, Rob, I'll let you so start with there. that. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, it's, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I don't make it sound flippant because a lot of people don't really have the qualities, but... Uh, I guess that the way I would describe it would be a good leader would be someone who listens to all sides of an issue uh, objectively because, you know, that's that that's the only fair way to be. Um, and I think a leader needs to be approachable uh, by everyone, not just just not just a select few. Uh, and a good leader, too, will, will seek counsel from, from people who know things that he or she may not know. You know, uh, you can't let your ego or your pride get in the way of that. Uh, um you have to be patient, I think, as a leader, because, you know, people can be trying, and uh, it's just like we said earlier, that's human nature, and um, you also have to be willing to walk away from something to gain clarity for a little while, uh, to let something lay lay for a bit so you can think about it, because, you know, if you react too harshly or too quickly, uh, sometimes it's not the best thing to do, you know, I've seen it happen a lot of times. Um, one of the major things, I think, is you can't be afraid to to admit your mistakes and own up to them if you make them. I know I've made many of them and I've owned up to them because I mean that's that's the right thing to do. I think you know 
is to own up to that and, and, and claim what's yours. And, uh, and then, you know, don't admit, don't be afraid to admit if you don't know something. I mean, it's, you know, we're all human and we don't know everything. So, if you, you know, a good leader, I think if someone asks them, you know, they, they should be honest and say, well, I really don't know, but let me see if I can help you out or we can find the answer to that, you know. And um, I guess the, the most important thing would be, and it's an old trope you've heard a million times, but it's true, is that a uh, good leader leads by example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to say it out of one side of your mouth, but act completely different. Uh, you, need to, you need to prove it in, in the way you act around people, the way you treat people, you know. And I think that's, I think that's probably the most telling aspect, and that's what most people will see is, is a good leader leading by example. And Be a leader, not expect- not a boss. Exactly. Yeah. And, and exactly. That's exactly right. You know, and uh, and and don't be afraid to, to get out front and take what's coming to you, you know, whatever may may be there. So, you know, but uh, <clears throat> I'm going to turn up with Tom, but that's pretty much how I look at it. As a good leader. You know, there's probably other aspects. Oh, thank you. There's a lot of other aspects, I'm sure. But those are some of the basic uh, core principles, I think, anyway. So, yeah, I think Rob, some okay, Rob, some some most of that stuff, probably most of what I would say, I mean, I feel like <clears throat> I've written I've written a lot of things about leadership um, over the years, just things that I've learned and just personal experience. Because you know, uh, people say leaders are born, and I think in in some ways that's true. But just like any other any other skill, if you don't practice it well, you can't be good at it. Yeah. And you know, leadership is something that you absolutely have to practice. And it absolutely has to be something that um, that you can't um, you can't go into because that's you feel like that that's what you have to be. Yeah. Um, the you know I find that the people who want are so wanting for leadership don't make the best leaders uh, because they're they, they've got certain reasons for wanting it that are probably not in the best principle of of what leadership should be. So you know I, I always say that the three main the three main attributes, in my opinion, um, in my experience of, of good leadership, is is you've got to be, um, you've got to have empathy. You've got to be a leader with empathy that can put yourself in someone else's shoes to try to get the full vision and scope of what's going on. You can never listen to just one side of something, and and make a decision based on that. Uh, the second thing is patience. You absolutely have to have patience. Uh, with people, with with you know, f- with other officers, with uh, groups outside of of you know of that you have to deal with, you have to have patience and be willing to work with them, and and be willing to uh, find compromises and things of that nature. All that revolves around patience. Um, the the last thing being, uh, you you've got to be a listener. You've got to listen to people. You've got to make people see that you're listening. Um, or, or I don't want to say make people, but you've got to show people that you're listening engage and, uh, yeah. right. Engage and, 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 and be, you know, have an open door and, and discuss things and not just shut things down and, and say, well, we're going to do it this way because I say we're doing exactly. it this way. Um, exactly. you know, if, if you can, if you can get really good at those three things, then you can be a really good leader. Um, that's, that's kind of, you know, that's that's yeah. what I've noticed over the years. The people that, that make the best leaders, and it, kind of an offshoot from that is is putting p- the right people in the right places, um, kind of like like a, a football team or a baseball team. You know, you've got to recognize what people can do, and then put them in a position where they can do that, and they can feel 
um, like like they're accomplishing something by doing it. And um, that that gets that can be difficult the larger a group becomes Definitely. because then you get so many people that it's you know that it's really hard to uh, to see that. So I've got a I have to say that Merck's has a has a pretty good council. You know we we've we've grown so much over the last few years. We're kind of in some growing pains right now, and we're trying to get we're trying to evolve the the club. Um, you know to to keep up with that and. And there's a lot of things going on in the background to do that and that, that I'm personally working on. And, um, you know, that's, it's, it's just a, it is a difficult thing. You know, you kind of have, there's, there's a lot of times when you have to separate yourself from, from the rest of the members because Absolutely. you, you know, you're going to have to make a decision sometime that may hurt somebody that you really like, yeah. you know, but it's a decision that absolutely has to be made. Um, and, you know, you have to resign yourself to being able to make that decision because if you can't, then you don't need to be doing the exactly thing. Right. Yeah. And you know, the confidence, and you have confidence as a leader. You have to have confidence because, yes. you know, I mean, the analogy of being, you know, sharing weaknesses is, is, is a true one. I mean, if, if you're weak, uh, it'll be apparent to a lot yeah. of the people out there that seek to, to unthrone you or whatever they seek to do, you know, to cause you damage of some type. So, you know, a good leader is confident in their abilities and confident in the people that, like he, like Tom said, they're around them. They're doing the doing the work and helping out, you know, helping run the thing. And, and that doesn't mean, and confidence doesn't mean you have to be loud. Yeah, or egotistical. You have to, right? You don't have to get involved in every conversation, and you don't have to tell people all these things. You don't have to, you know, that's not what confidence is. Um, you know, it's if you if if you listen, if you're patient, if you are have empathy, if you, um, you know, if if you're decisive and you can make decisions. Um, mm -hmm. then, then that's the, mo that's really the important things. And, uh, I think that's, you know, I see a lot of that in Merck's members. I mean, I see, you know, I see a lot of members who, um, who are good leaders and who w could be good leaders if they were in those positions. And, and it's just like that with any, you know, with any group, really, you've got people who could be good leaders and you've got people who are, who are good troops, just like with any, any organization that has a hierarchy, Absolutely. you know, that's just. It's, it's, it's just a natural sort of order. And, you know, um, that's just, that's what, you know, I feel like that's kind of a cultivation thing. We have to cultivate that. You cultivate your, your leaders, but you also cultivate the people who aren't leaders because there's a time, there's a chance that they might become a leader too, you know? So it's all about, you know, it's all about timing and, and uh, the necessity and things of that nature. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Quick question based off of just one little point you said there. And by the way, very wise words, definitely really good stuff from both of you guys there. But I have to ask, Rob, is he confident yes. or loud? <laughs> Me? Because yeah, oh, you said it's not always the same. Is, is, is he confident or loud? Because he's one of the two. Uh, I'm confidently loud. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or would it be loud? Yeah, Rob is a good old boy. Rob is a good old boy. <laughs> and that's, well, I appreciate you know, that, but you know, I am. That's one of my faults is the fact that I'm loud. <laughs> I just am loud. I'm sorry. You know. no, that's we that's not a fault. You. We can always find you. No. Yeah, that's, that's totally not a fault. <laughs> oh, just... Ask my wife. She thinks otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy knows best. Yes, she does. Awesome. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. <laughs> exactly. If mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Why don't you give me that look? 
I figured that was that, but I did silence. Somebody was looking at someone. Oh, yeah. right oh, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I was getting a look. <laughs> anyway. I blame you too. You guys started that one. Okay, let's talk spoilers. Okay, we get out of this territory real quick. <laughs> so, all right, guys, what advice would you give to members looking to step up and do more for the community? And these could be members of the Mercs, members of just Star Wars community, or even recruits looking to get involved. Well, wow, well, how about Tony? You want to do it? You want to go for that one? Yeah. I think the first thing that I would probably tell them is to uh, watch who their current leadership is, be it local, whoever. And um, if you know if they if they like what they see, then support them. Okay. If they don't if they don't like what they see, don't work against them. Definitely. But you know that's that's why we have things like elections and stuff like that. I mean, every group has some sort of election system. Mm -hmm. It may not always be for the top positions, but the top positions impact you the least for them. You know, they really do. Yeah. It's the local leadership that impacts you the most. So that's right. the Alarads were the backbone. Of exactly. You know, it's like we used to say in the Navy, the chiefs run the Navy, you know, and that's yeah. kind of the way it is in Mercs. You know, the Alarad really, they run, they run Mercs. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, it, it, I'm never a fan of people working against their leadership. Even if it's not good leadership, don't work against them. Try to help them become better leaders. Um, and that's, that's probably the, the biggest thing that I, that I would, that I would say in, in regard to that question. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mine would be, uh, you know, uh, you know, work hard at, at making yourself the best you can be. Uh, whether it's in Star Wars or anything else, you know, but especially in a club like this, uh, you know, just be the best you can be, be, be honest to yourself, be honest of yourself, you know, and then uh, and step into any kind of role that you feel like you can handle. Um, uh, and also in that same vein, seek them out, seek out, purposely seek out roles because, you know, we're always needing help in this club for different aspects of it. And, you know, we're not going to necessarily knock on your door and say, Hey, can you come do this? Uh, because there's, like Tom said, we have so many members out there. It's it's easier. We make like a general announcement or something. You know, a lot of people see it. A lot of people don't see it. But, you know, if you have a skill and you feel like you can contribute, uh, say it be the art team or whatever, you you know, contact somebody. Right. And, uh, you know, put, put your name out there and, and uh, try to step into it. If they'll take you, you know, do it. And then that it goes right back to working hard. If you get the position, work hard at it, you know. Be proactive uh, about it. Exactly. Be proactive about it. And then the one last thing I guess would be, would be, you know, don't be afraid to make mistakes because uh, he, he never makes mistake, never makes anything as the old adage goes. Yes. And, and uh, I completely you make mistake, agree with you own up. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, you know, I think Walt Disney had a quote about something similar to that too. I can't think what it is offhand, but it was about making, you know, about if you don't make a mistake you'll never make anything type yep. thing. Yep. Uh, and if you do make a mistake, own up to it. You know, if you do it, then I, and I've done many of them and I've owned up to them and you have to. And then yeah. the most important thing is to learn from them because if you keep making the same ones, uh, people lose confidence in you. So you need to learn from any mistake you make to at least try not to do it again, or at least lessen the impact of doing Definitely. it again. You know, yeah. so that or at least be able to cover it up if you do it again, right? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just actually, yeah to be able to shuffle on somebody else like Tom, like well that was Tom's fault. Yeah. But anyway, that, that, that's it's my cue. the person that never makes any mistakes that you gotta kind of look at and wonder what they're doing to begin with. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. But cool, cool. Yeah, and it just we're all human. Absolutely. We're going to, you know. So. Absolutely, and we we just need to understand that about each other, everybody. Yeah. Well, <laughs> exactly. you you guys are human, but I'm Mandalore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's Mandalore, the eminent. I make plenty of mistakes. Trust me. So. <laughs> Uh, good stuff. So, speaking of getting more involved, that that's a good segue into our, our next question, which was uh, involving the Little Warrior charity that you guys founded as the Mandalorian Mercs. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about this for our fans that's never heard anything about that organization? Well, I'm sure. going to let Tom take that one because that's his brainchild, and uh, he's all about that. So, <laughs> oh wow. Well. Little, little warriors started as um, it started well really small. It's never been anything that was super huge. It's never been you know a, a huge huge thing, but it's a big part of of Mercs as far as what we do. Um, you know it started back in 2007. Um, we you know we we gathered money up internally, and I think we ga- we gathered like I don't know 200 and something dollars. And uh, the, the the communications officer, he um, found a, an orphanage there in in Ohio where they had a, a kid who um, needed you know needed some gifts for Christmas, and we gathered up it was like 250 or 275 bucks, and um, we we sent it to the orphanage to get him some gifts. I know actually I think John went and bought a bunch of gifts and then took them there to the orphanage to give them to the kids something like that. And so that was, you know, that was like the first thing that LWI ever did. And we're like, oh, cool, this is neat. We could, you know, we can really, you know, maybe just that one person. It's like we helped one person, but maybe we could help more people. So the second year we did it, we raised, I don't know, like it was like 550 awesome. bucks or something like that. And um, because Merck's was still pretty small, uh, we didn't really know what to do. So I contacted one of the local radio stations here in North Carolina, close to me. And uh, it was this was actually really a really difficult. Uh, it was really difficult because they that re- that specific station did like a breaking and entering Christmas for a family in need, but they had these other families that had written in to get to you know to try to get get that to qualify for it or whatever, and just for some reason they they could only do one family, you know. So they had all these other families. I'm like, well, we have all these other families, um, and I'm like, oh my god. You know how do how do we pick like a family out of all these families and not feel bad about picking one out of like you know a whole list of families, and so it was it was a difficult choice, but I I picked a family that was it, they weren't really that far from where I, where I was living at the time, and um, they had uh, three kids and their house had recently burnt down and it it was close to Christmas it took out all the Christmas presents, oh, um, the father. Yeah, it was bad. The father had 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 been working for a larger company and had lost his job and had been working for his wife's father, who had a um, who had a vinyl siding business. But the wife's father had gotten cancer and the business had shut down, so he was without work now. And then um, the wife, she was the, really the only working family member at the time, and they were living in a small trailer, just trying to get by, and and did not have the money to get the kids gifts at all so we took the money and alicia and i went out and bought all these gifts clothes and a, like a playstation whatever number it was back in <laughs> yeah. 2008 and uh you know all these toys and everything for the kids and we took them to the house and and 
the kids weren't there, but the mother and father were, and we, you know, we even wrapped them and everything for them. Took them over there and gave them the parents, and we sat and talked with them for a bit. And, and coming to find out, the, the father had been a huge, was a huge Star Wars fan, and um, had, he had lost like his entire collection in in the fire. But he had like the one, and I tell the story every at like every celebration, and it's always a hard story to tell. It's a little bit easier for me to tell it right now because I don't have people in front of me that are like starting to sniffle and it makes me get emotional about it. But you know, he, the only thing that survived was his like director's cut of the Phantom Menace, which was still oh, in the wrapper. Wow. I mean, it hadn't even been taken out of the, out of the wrapper. And uh, he gave that to me and was like, look, you know, I'm, I'm giving you this. If it can help another family, like you oh, guys wow. helped us then you know, use it for that. And I, I still have it. I mean, we've never done anything with it because it's just, it's, it's a VHS yeah. movie. I mean, who can watch VHS <laughs> at this point? Um, but it's, it is. It's a memento. It's something that, that, you know, and sometimes I'll look at it and I'll be like, you know, if I start to feel like, oh, my God, why do I keep doing this? I'll look at that and I'll be like, okay, this is That's why cool. I keep doing it. And, uh, you know. It's like a dollar bill, on the, dollar bill in the picture frame type thing. You know, your first yeah, it dollar. really is. It really is. It's, it's like, wow. It's, you know, it's, it's a really good kind of a, a totem of, of the things that, make it matter to me so yeah um, but uh yeah so that's that's really how lwi got started and uh from there we just it just kind of snowballed more clans got involved in raising money and we just sort of spread out the money between different you know between more clans because we started having more money coming in and uh you know we got to where we could you know really make an impact in multiple families' That's lives cool. with it and, and children's lives and things like that. So it uh, it it worked out real well and it's it's gotten pretty big and, and now we've got to where we've kind of sectioned LWI up into into um, you know, the member support fund also comes out of LWI now because we try to keep all that all the money that would be going for some sort of charity purpose. We try to keep all that in in one thing, and we just section it out as we need to. So um, I'll flash forward to this year. You know, we raised all that money to help our to help a Uricod clan down in Puerto Rico because several of the members down there had lost everything, and some of them were still without electricity. So uh, Ken Applegate, the archivist, and myself, we flew down and, and took the money down there, and we gave. Um, it was like three thousand. It was. It was three thousand. Yeah, we took three thousand dollars that we had raised uh, between the patches and and money that we had set aside in the in the support fund, and uh, we were able to help uh, two of our, the two members that lost everything. They got a thousand dollars, and then we had another member who was still you know going on eight months without electricity. He was having to spend like twenty bucks a day uh, to keep putting gas in the in the generators for his home for him and his wife so they could have you know power. So being able to do that, you know, for the members. I'm sorry, I got a cat okay. on my shoulder here. It sounds adorable. <laughs> I know, right? That's Tessa. But uh, being able to to do that, and um, you know, help help members out with it as well, um, is is a is a big thing. You know, we help. We spend so much time raising money for kids and families in need, and we sometimes forget that our own members also can be can be people in need. And you know, we're kind of—I see this kind of a mandate of what we do to look out for the communities, but let's look out for each other too. And so LWI has kind of morphed into into that, into kind of an all-encompassing thing. 
And we used to do the, uh, we've had the, the, um, the scholarship that we've done um, uh, as, as we've been able to do it. Um, we've, we've used money from LWI for that as well to help members, you know, better their lives that are going through school and stuff like that. So, you know, we try to really use that money to help the communities and, and help our own members in need. So <laughs> nice little punctuation. Mark. That was perfect. <laughs> I can, I can actually personally, um, attest to that, that the little warriors with, uh, the membership helping, is a wonderful thing. They actually helped me out when I was a brand new member. Uh, my grandparents' house burnt down um, right around Christmas time, and it was pretty bad. Um, and they actually helped them out a little bit. So there's a soft spot for yeah, me on that. that too. So yeah, we do. Yeah, I mean, we it's, try to do what we can, you know. It is. I mean, it's you know, it's. it's I mean, if we, it's about helping. If we have. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's it's about helping people. You know, it it yes, we 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 want to try to focus on helping the kids and and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, everybody at some point in their life yeah. needs some help. And you know, if we can help provide some sort of relief to people who legitimately need it, then then you know, I think I feel like that's something Absolutely. we should do. It shouldn't yeah, just be about kids. You know, it should yeah, be that's about what we're all doing this for to help each other and help, you know, our fellow man. Exactly. That's exactly right. That's that's really cool. Um, one last question with LWI seems like a very important one we should throw out to our fans is how can people find out more about that then? Sure. I know we've got a page. We've got a page on the website about LWI. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. I don't know that we really keep it that up to date, but we do have a web page about it. Um, I believe there's a donate button there if people yeah, want to donate is. to it. Uh, it's, if um, if you see Merck's members with a with a with a bucket on the table, or if you do a, uh, a bounty hunt, most clans run a bounty hunt at least once a year, and they'll uh, I would say ninety ninety percent of the time that money that they raise comes back to LWI or or it goes to another you know legitimate charity. Um, so you know that's really the the best way to support it is either you know support it. Through by, by donating to it or by partaking in in a Mandalorian Mooks event, where they're raising money Perfect. for it. So Perfect. that's that's awesome, and we could put the link up too uh, when we post the episode, so people can go directly to that. And if anybody does want to make donations, obviously the options there. Sure, that'd be great. Yep, that's great. Oh, cool. Um, I think that's all for our questions, but we did have a couple questions pop in on our Facebook from some of our fans. Uh, go ahead and throw those those at you too. Um, just uh, let them get a little bit involvement and have a voice as well. Um, sure. Let's see. Our first question came in from Shy from Awa Clan. I'm sorry, Awa Rider Clan. Uh, can you ask them where do you? I'm sorry. Where do you each see the Mercs in five years? So that question's for both of you. Rob, I'll let you go with this one first. Go ahead. Uh, well, just to, to give a pretty pat answer to, to Shy and others maybe be, you know, are, are asking the same question. I just see it getting bigger and better um, because we've got a lot of exciting uh, educational stuff and, and different programs that are coming down the turnpike uh, that we're working on behind the scenes and everything. And I think people, when they see it, are going to be uh, really, really blown away by it. Uh, you know, um, <clears throat> I, I just... It, 
the simple answer is we're just going to be bigger and better. I mean, really it is because, you know, everybody strives to work together here. And, you know, we're always promoting the Mercs any way we can, every way we can. And, uh, and I think that uh, we're gaining more and more prominence in the fandom. And uh, that's just going to improve as time goes on. And, of course, when that happens, we're going to benefit from that, too, between the movies and everything else out there. So uh, that's pretty much my short answer is that, you know, we're just going to be bigger and better in five years. You know, we've come a long way already in the last uh, 11. And uh, so it's just going to get better. Awesome. You know? Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know. I think five years from now, oh my God, that just seems like it's yeah. tomorrow. Um, yes. <laughs> You know, I think Rob mentioned some good things. You know, we got a, this, we got an edu a, a huge educational program that we're going to be rolling out. Um, it's kind of in uh, in uh, in a. It's kind of, I'll, I'll say it's a kind of a prequel to us um, changing our designation from a C four nonprofit to a C three nonprofit, cool. which is an actual yeah. charity at that point. Um, you know, we. I mean, if you look at the grand scheme of what Merckx does, I mean, we do we teach people how to build costumes, and that's really kind of the first thing that we do is we build yeah. Mandalorian costumes, and then we troop in them. So you know, we kind of have the visual and and performing arts thing category that's sewed cool. up. And I think so, we're already doing that on a lot so we'll, of panels at at bigger conventions as well. So that'd be cool to actually we do. have it more available to people outside of that. Yes, and and we're actually, I mean, we're literally creating a a kind of a school, um, and it it is is not going to just be about costuming. We're working on things like uh, officer training, stuff that we probably should have had a long time ago to better help support the officers and uh, you know the the leaders within the club, kind of get them um, you know educated on some things and provide them with with the proper training to, so they can do their jobs better and easier. Um, and, uh, that's, that should be, I mean, we've been working on that now for the last few months, so that should be rolling out awesome. any time. And, uh, it's, it's going to be a pretty big thing. Um, also working on, um, I'm, I'm personally working on a, a charter or a, a constitution system for clans. Um, I don't know how much that will affect the clans in the U S so much as the ones outside of the U S our clans are getting to the size now where, um, where they're coming to me saying, well, how can we, um, how can we do here in our country what Merck's, you know, how can we function here like Merck's functions in the U.S.? And, and it's difficult for them because they're not, a, a, you know, a nonprofit corporation like we are here in the U.S. So I'm trying to um, accomplish that uh, by creating kind of an association for those clans so they can become an incorporated association or whatever the equivalent of awesome. that is. Um, in their country, and become a nonprofit, uh, you know, an associated uh, yeah, chapter like of yeah. right. And so that's kind of been a um, that's kind of been a huge thing. But that's going to really benefit uh, the clans outside of of the U.S. Here in the U.S., I've been working on getting our clans uh, registered in each state as a nonprofit. Um, which is good for them, which means they can legally solicit. I know down in Florida, we've got uh, Florida done, so that covers all the clans in Florida. Here in North Carolina, we've got it done. Uh, we've got it done in Oregon and Ohio. Um, I'm probably going to have to go with Texas and California next since they've got several clans in each. Uh, so, I mean, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of background work that I'm having to do <laughs> and uh, that to try to get us to a, a point where we're functioning um, 
within a, a certain legal realm that we need to as a as a, a nonprofit. Um, but I think that's gonna that's that's really gonna open a lot of doors for us as an organization. Um, you know, and that's so I can only see us really growing more and and being able to offer more programs in the next five years. That's that's important too because what's the use of being part of an organization if if you know if you're not able to get something out of the organization other than right. you know you, you get something from trooping and things like that, but we want to be able to offer the members some real cool things that they can do in Mercs other than just build a costume. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would love to yeah. see people be able to go through this educational program and, and actually get like a certificate of yeah. completion and things like that. Something that they can strive to do and, and, and feel, you know, get some fulfillment from it and, and recognition. And I think that's yeah, important definitely. and it really is an important thing. Definitely. So. And that's cool. That, that gives us a lot of insight and, shows the fans out there that there is a lot going on behind the curtains. Oh yeah. My, yeah, yeah I'm not, the curtains, I'm not the curtains are always yeah. moving. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize that. You're sleeping. So that's, that's cool to, <laughs> to have that. Yeah. So we've got uh, another fan question here from Andrew Carter, otherwise known as Boston, uh, with Protectors of Laval Clan. Shout yeah. out to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> he says, uh, do you think we'll see any Mandalorians suiting up in the Solo movie? Uh, well, I know we see a suit of armor. We know, yeah. we're pretty sure nobody's wearing it. I mean, it looks like it's, it's yeah. a trophy or, or just like maybe like a, an artifact or something. I don't think we'll see any Mandalorians in Solo, but we'll see that suit. You see the Mandalorian uh, poker chips or the sabak chips. Yeah, and the uh, big um, skull on the cantina there, yeah. or wherever that. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm like Tom. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it'll happen in this particular thing, but I do believe that maybe a. Uh, it's like a. You know, you know how Marvel does with their uh, with their Avenger movies. The, at the very end of the trailer, you know, at the end of the credits, they give you yeah. a little teaser there. So I think if you see those things, they're kind of leading into something that's going to come down the turnpike. Oh, that I do that guy in that scene you know? that you see within the background is going to totally go Iron Man and have that thing suit right up on him, and he's going to jump <laughs> right into combat. <laughs> yeah, yeah right? i think they're teasers i think they're uh what, what breadcrumbs or what do they call those things you know easter eggs easter eggs that's the word i'm looking for yeah, yeah there you go i think that's what they are and they may they may turn up again later you know you never know but uh they have to well, start and somewhere the thing, so the, and the yeah. thing about stuff like that too is that you know thinking about that suit of armor that we see there in dryden boss's trophy room or artifact room or whatever that is um you know, that's got a story behind it. Mm-hmm. And someone's going to write about that story. And I hope it's Jason Fry because he does Mandalorians great. He was the last great Mandalorian author. And, uh, you know, that suit of armor has a story yeah. behind it. And I'm interested to find out where that armor came from, who wore it, you know, what, what's the story right. behind that. And I have a feeling that just by it being there, that, that, that's a great thing because that opens up the possibility for a story that segues into Amanda. I'm sure with your finger on the pulse there, Tom, by the end of tonight, once everybody in California has seen it, you might get a hint if there's some serious presence there. Yeah, I'm waiting for somebody to say, oh my God, we saw you. I'm like, wait a minute, what? No, (laughs) just kidding. Spoilers! (laughs) Yeah, spoilers. Yeah. All right, all right. Our last question that we had from our fans is from Miguel, uh, also from Awa Riders Clan. 
Um, he asked, sure. uh, "How does the future of the in, in, I'm sorry, how does the future of MMCC look with the growth and introduction of the first ever house system, and what does it mean moving forward?" Oh wow, this is a good one because we haven't really, I mean, we haven't really announced the house thing yet, other than I think we've maybe talked about it sort of in mm -hmm. passing. Um, and now I'll, I'll give a real brief explanation of, of the house um, system here. And, and Rob, if you want to chime in, since you're kind of living in that system, and Ben, if you, <laughs> if you, if you and Cassie want to add sure. something to you, you're more than welcome. Um, um, the house system came along because, you know, our, our BBC, Bernaverta clan in Florida, had reached 100 members, or they were like at 101 members. They, they were huge. It had gotten huge. It was the, it was the largest single clan. In, in Mercs. And um, I mean, they literally represented like what, uh, 1% or 2% yeah. of the of yeah. the entire membership just in that one clan. And it was getting, I mean, it was getting to be a little bit difficult for, uh, uh, for the clan officers to be able to manage such a large clan that is very spread out. I mean, Florida is, it's a thin state on uh, both horizontally and vertically, kind of like a T-visor. <laughs> It's kind of like it's kind of like two thirds of a T visor with the other part of the horizontal area yeah, broke off. But yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but but it's a, you know it is a very long state, both on the Panhandle and you know going down to the southern end. And the members were do it. That's just kind of West Star shaped. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's kind of West Star shaped. It's like a boomerang, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were spread out, and um, we had never. I mean, I don't think I, I. I can tell you, I've never. I had never conceptualized um, what a clan, a clan that size, would be like. I don't think many of us have ever thought about how, how big a clan. You know, how big a clan yeah. is when they're at fifty plus members. That's pretty, pretty darn big. Because um, you know, clans start out at seven members. We purposefully kept clan numbers small so that it would seem more like a family unit than it was. Um, like a chapter, so um, you know the, the the thought process on that was, and uh, it was brought up by the the clan leader there for BBC, the Alarad for BBC at the time, and um, and you know he said, well, has anybody thought about potentially breaking Florida up and and you know, and maybe making it like a house, sort of like what they, the way they um, talked about Mandalorians in Rebels. And I looked at the at the proposal for it. And I'm like, well, you know, this this is, doesn't this makes a lot of sense. I had worked with, tried to pass some similar proposals through the council over the years, um, but not quite that grandiose. More like, you know, taking a clan and making smaller like sept's, which in you know the Celtic uh, history, sept is like a subfamily of the main clan family, and uh, you know, with that, and it didn't seem to really people didn't really seem to be very liking of that but uh we worked with this proposal and we got it uh authored and edited up to the point where the council felt good about it we presented it to bbc and the members or let the members vote on it and the members you know pretty much overwhelmingly voted for it to happen and um so far it seems like it's it's working pretty well and bbc broke up into five uh separate clans um and you know, time will tell. We're kind of in a test mode with it now to see if it how well it works still, throughout still, this year. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's still really new, and um, d 
depending on how well it does this year, um, if it does well, then we're going to look at, at allowing it to to move on to different areas. I can see, you know, maybe Texas and California being um, becoming houses because they already have um, multiple clans in the state. It would be an easy move for them to become a house. Uh, there really wouldn't be much work involved for them. Um, I can see it moving to different to different areas where we've got, you know, like here, I'll use North and South Carolina as a good example. We don't have a lot of members in South Carolina. They technically have more than enough to make their own clan if they wanted to, and we could create a house between North and South Carolina. Um, you know, different areas like that. I mean, one we have states where you have groups of of members on either side of the state, and um, most of them don't do events yeah. together. They might do one event together a year. And, uh, you know, is that enough to uh, – is that one event a year enough to keep them one clan when they could maybe do uh, – you know, become two clans and not Over lose their original identity? Yeah, and that was the other thing about a house. We didn't want to – we didn't want them to lose their history or their uh, their identity that, that they're known as, the kind of their yeah. branding. Um, so the house basically – it becomes what the original clan was, and they keep that original right. name, but then they become separate clans under that original, you know, name. Like if it was Talon, it'd be, you know, House Talon with two clans underneath that. So, you know, that's kind of the concept behind the houses. I don't know how well that would work outside the U.S. because most of our U.S. clans are, are you know, uh, I don't know if any of them are really over 30 people, maybe 40 yeah. at the most, but, uh, you know, Countries outside the U.S., unless you're like in China or Russia or something like that, most of them are sort of smaller than the U.S. or small enough to where they can all they all are doing more than one event together throughout the year. So we're going to see how it works this throughout the year, and and if it, it keeps going like it is, then um, probably roll it out as a as an official, you know, an, an official thing beginning next year. Yeah, so. what we're going to do for next year, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I, you know, it's being the guy was Alarad for the first five years of the BBC. You know, it, it's something I have a lot of pride in. Uh, you know, I was proud of the Klan and proud of the people in the Klan. Uh, I know there was a lot of consternation at first about that because people thought maybe the, the family aspect would be lost. But, you know, family is what you make it. I mean, just because we split into five different clans doesn't mean that we're not all still one big family and that we're not all friends and we can't all do things together. You know, it does compartmentalize a little bit. It makes it a little bit simpler for people, and I'll use myself as an example, because a lot of times, you know, I would have to drive three, three hours, three and a half hours to an event in the South Florida or wherever, you know. And um, although that was not a hardship for me particularly, it, it could be a hardship for a lot of people. So, you know, it, it just made it easier when we, when we, when we developed this house system to have our own clans. You could actually develop a closer family with your local mercs, you know. And that's kind of what we've done, and I'm sure the others have done the same thing. You know, we still all get together. We'll do major things like megacons and dragacons and and uh, celebrations and stuff like that. You know, we'll all come together and we'll maybe still have house events like a picnic or something at some point. Uh, but right now, like Tom said, it's still relatively a new thing for everyone. Uh, we're going through some growing pains and there's a lot of unknowns right now. Um, but uh, we'll we'll have to see how it works out, right? I, I have confidence that it will work out. You know, it's a positive thing, I believe. Um, <clears throat> and again, uh, it just it's just going to take some time. You know, for for it all work out. Cool, so. awesome. But I think it's natural. I'm just say it's a natural progression. I mean, you know, we have to grow, and sooner or later, 
you know, other clans are going to be in the same position Florida was in. I mean, you know, we could we could conceptually have 200, 250, 300 people in Florida at some point, you know, and that would have been hard for any clan command staff to, yeah. have, to, to have to wrangle. So uh, the way we have it set up now, when that does happen, everybody will get proportionately, you know, uh, their due, so to speak, of, of new members. So, you know, I, th I think it would be better for everyone. You know, all, it definitely all, all. wasn't easy trying to run one this big. So, yes, I, I can agree. <laughs> Yeah, you can't agree. I know you had it too. You you had the range yourself, and you know you had more people to deal with than I did. So, you know, <clears throat> it's. Uh, I think it's going to be a whole lot better for everyone involved. You know, now. Well, I hope we were able to give some insight to our members that didn't know anything about that system. Um, awesome guys. Well, um, yeah, man. I think the only thing else I have for questions is if there's any other topic that you guys want to take this time while we're on the air uh, to discuss with members of MMCC, Star Wars community in general, or just whatever else? Uh, I'll just say something real quick in a nutshell. I would just like to make a generalized uh, overarching shout out to all the OMs in this club who helped, who helped push the MMCC to new heights. Uh, you know, as Tom had said earlier, you know, it can't be done without the membership. It's all about the membership, you know. And we wouldn't be where we are today if it weren't for people like you and Cassie and other people, you know, that were so enthused to be a part of this, you know. And um, it's just an honor to me to be able to troop with you guys and uh, everyone that's in this club. And um, I'm just honored to, have, you know, to be in the position I'm in and, and to be a part of this whole thing. Uh, so that's that's pretty much what I have to say about that. Awesome. So. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Rob. Rob hit that one pretty well. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 always about you know it's about what we can help provide more for for the membership, and uh, you know and and I really appreciate everybody you know uh, um, coming together for Mercs and 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 being part of of the global family. I mean, you know, eleven eleven and a half years ago, I I didn't I wouldn't have thought that we would have members in Ecuador and Russia and. You know, uh, all these different all these different places, and <clears throat> getting out there and actually meeting meeting the members, it's you know, it really feels like you know I've had something in common with these people all my yeah. life, you know, yeah. and um, I think that's probably the magic. That's really the magic behind Mercs is that no matter what what uh, walk of life we come from, what what country we may live in, um, whatever, uh, we all we all love the same yeah. thing, and yeah, that's all, a commonality. Um, that's a the, the, yeah. the hobby is the commonality, and that makes you instant family. It really does, you know. And 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 with you know with the way the world is today, you know, and 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 all the you know the the ever changing political landscapes and things like that, the drama. you know, right? The dramas out there and everything else, you Wars, know. We all, yes. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> we may we may you know we all may live in in places that <clears throat> where you know their governments may not agree with other governments or. Or whatever, but we all as people can can uh, be a family together because there's this one thing we love. Well, two things we love: we love Star Wars and we love Mandalorians. Maybe sometimes we love Mandos <laughs> more than we just love Star Wars. But you know, we're all kind of globally connected Absolutely. with that. And you know, if wow. we had if we had nothing else to connect us, I feel like that's enough. That's and, enough. Uh, yeah, well well you know? said. Well said, Tom. I agree with you. 100%. So, and that's really. We can do anything as a group because we have those two things that we we love, you know. And any group that's that's created and based on a love like that, um, it can be a love of really, you know, in, anything. Anything based on on the purity of love is destined to work and succeed. 
So. Oh, man, that sounds like a Mandalorian adage right there. A Mandalore yeah. adage. That needs we'll to go in the it. book, man. That's that's my campaign slogan, <laughs> right? Are there going to be bumper stickers? <laughs> yes. Yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, awesome, guys. Well, thank you, Tom, and thank you, Rob, for a great interview. Uh, for everybody listening, uh, for more information about the Mandalorian Mercs Costume Club and how you could be a part of it, make sure you sign up. Um, make sure you sign up for the forums at mandaloriamercs.org. Uh, find your local clan, reach out, and talk to the members. They're always eager to help and get more uh, membership. Get out there and do more for the community and, and be a part. Well said, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> hey, I want to thank you guys for the opportunity. Uh, you know, me and my co-host or my, my co-guest there, Tom, uh, and uh, you, Ben and Cassie, uh, appreciate the offer and the, the uh, uh, what am I trying to say here? I've lost my words. You know, Absolutely. after an hour, listen, I've already forgot what well, I was going to say. You guys are always welcome no, to join us. <laughs> offer, yeah. Opportunity. There we go. For opportunity to be here and, and say the things we've said. You know, we really appreciate that. Thanks for having that. you guys. Yeah, and yeah thanks, really thanks for having us. And <clears throat> there's one thing I can say about Rob and I is that we love <laughs> to talk. So, um, you know, you, yeah. you got a couple of good guests here because we really enjoy talking. And yeah, I appreciate might be a, you. You might can make it a two-parter, Ben, if you ever run out of things to talk about. You yeah, absolutely. Have to make it a well, just to throw it out there for you guys uh, and anybody listening as well, we all are always welcoming to uh, any guests that would like to, to reach out to us um, to either be a guest like this or to join us in conversation with, with um, other guests. If you want to... Either one of you absolutely wanted to join us for a future guest to be a guest host with us. We absolutely would enjoy that as well. Yeah. Oh, that'd sure. be great. Well, I mean, yeah. Maybe we can come back in a few you. years after, you know, and see what's, see what's developed. And, uh, come back in five years and you can, then we can tell you how that oh, five yeah, years yeah, went. Yeah. We, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we do well enough. Yeah. With assuming, the, I, assuming I'm still loud right. in five years, as long as I'm still loud, I'll be okay. We'll wheel you in in the chair. Confident? <laughs> appreciate that ah, awesome. that's awesome so I think Cassie's got the announcement for the next episode if we could throw that in there uh, absolutely our upcoming broadcast will be episode 3 called Geek Chic uh, we'll be joined by special guest Joe Roberts of Atanya Designs and I, I really hope I said that right I'm sorry if I didn't Joe um, as Ben said um, as always if any of our listeners want to join they can um, just reach out to us we'd love to have you Awesome. Thank you, Cassie. So this is the Dragon Trooper and the Pandalorian joined by Tom and Rob from the Mandalorian Mercs Costume Club sending out an all clear signal from wild space. Thank you for listening.